As a sales manager, you are judged by the performance of your team and you're praised when they do well. But one thing that you've not been able to figure out is how to get everyone on your team consistently hitting quota every single month. On the Snack Size Sales Podcast, we discuss the science of selling STEM. Sales leadership in the science, technology, engineering, and manufacturing fields is difficult. You will learn from sales managers just like you that will give you actionable insights and tips on how to develop as a leader and achieve your revenue targets every single month. So pop your headphones in and get ready to listen to my guests today. They will give you information and inspiration to ensure that you have actionable insights that you can put into place today. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Science of Selling STEM. Today, I am so excited that my guest is Nate Severson. How are you, Nate? I'm doing well. How are you? Lovely. Nate is all the way from Minnesota, and um, I'm guessing we'll be at the top of the year. So what's the weather like there? We just got our first snow, actually. So we uh, went sledding last night for the first time this year. Oh! A little late in the year for the first snow, but uh, yeah, it's chilly. It's 40, it's supposed to get up to 48 this week, and it'll probably all be gone. But yeah, it's a little nasty right now. Yeah, you know, um, about a year ago, we got our first snow in about 10 years in Houston. So <laughs> I don't envy you too much. So let me tell you guys a bit about Nate. He has spent his entire career in the adhesive industry. He's worked at startup companies, multinational corporations, and everything in between. In his past 14 years at Applied Products, he's held a wide variety of roles, territory manager, technical and innovation manager, equipment division manager, and regional sales manager. He's passionate about helping his customers and ensuring his team is delivering on the promise of being a proven partner. He especially enjoys finding solutions in the variety of unique challenges customers present, whether they're building buses and airplanes or sealing cereal boxes. He has a bachelor's in applied science from the University of Wisconsin with a minor in chemistry. You know, I love chemists. I mean, you're a person after my own heart. (laughs) How did you go from getting a degree in applied sciences and chemistry to being this amazing sales leader. <laughs> I don't know if I go that far, but yeah, it, it was kind of a, it just happened, I guess, if you will. We, I was selling copier parts for about six months. I came home and I said, uh, I, I can't do this copier parts thing anymore. It's just, <laughs> I had no passion for copier parts. Let's put it that way. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't pulling me in. And so I had a friend who worked here at Applied, and I reached out to him and just said, hey, is there any opportunities over there? I looked at the website. It was chemistry. It was adhesives. It kind of seemed right up my alley. So reached out and just said, hey, is there any opportunities? And that's when the 14-year the clock started and started inside sales slash customer service and just kept progressing from there. So it's been a, a lot of different roles, but it's been fun to, to see the company grow and be a part of that. So I know some copier parts salespeople and people who sell copiers and printers and they love it, but it wasn't quite for you. Yeah, it wasn't my thing. How did you realize? Because a lot of times people don't actually realize if whether they have a passion for it, if it's the job, if it's them. What was the thing that made you say, this is not for me? I think it was just because it was solely phone based and I felt like I wanted to get out in the field and I wanted to, to see how things were 
done, the mechanics of it, uh, and get on site and really dive into the applications. And I just think the cubicle wasn't doing it for me. Let's put it that way. Ah, see, people, you guys think these engineers and chemists and scientists were just little nerds that like doing things all alone. But Nate is another great example that you can take your technical degree and really use it to think outside the box. That really, because what you said was, it's a lot of what we learned in college, right? It's like, I'm tinkering with things, I'm figuring things out. I really want to understand, I want to know, I want to do. So you found yourself at Applied. And you started out, a lot of people will say, I started out as chief bottle washer, floor sweeper, you know, all those <laughs> things. And it sounds like you've done so many different things. So inside sales, that was kind of like, Still a little bit of phone sales, but how was it different than what you were doing in copier parts? Yeah, so it was different because I was able to see the products. I was able to get into the lab. I was able to go out and see some of our house accounts. So it wasn't only phone-based. It was local area. I could go out and see customers. But, of course, we had customers nationally. I was going to get on an airplane and go see those customers for the size of account I was managing. But anything local, I was given permission to go out and visit. So once I was out on site, it was like, this is where it's at. Like seeing what's actually happening with the product, it was fun. Yeah. It's like variety is the spice of life. Everybody's doing things differently. And it's just fun to be a part of like the show, how it's made. You know, you're really watching things get made. It's just, I've always enjoyed that show. That's how I compare this role or this, this job is you're just seeing how things are made and trying to help them do it better. I feel like so many companies these days are getting away from the things that we did when we started in sales, that hands-on training, going out, talking to customers, really doing, living that life. Because I know for me, that's what really helped me go from knowing nothing about sales or products or anything to like accelerating because I got to be in the field. Yeah. And we do that. I mean, COVID really set us back a little bit with some of the onboarding of new employees and we really had to alter how we were delivering training. But I will say there is no substitute for getting out, seeing it, touching it, watching it. Yeah, I will say we, we, we definitely took a step backwards on the training front with COVID. And uh, we've looked at hiring a, a training manager now, actually made an offer for someone to come in and help build that platform because we did recognize that, wow, a lot of this was based on getting out in the field. And uh, we can't always do that, not knowing what company policy is going to be with visitors, things of that nature. So we've really looked at making an investment there. Mm, onboarding of salespeople. This is another thing that a lot of people get wrong. I feel like I'm being really negative today. <laughs> but you keep saying these things that it sounds like you guys have figured out a bit. So let's talk about, you know, I know things have changed a little bit in this post-COVID world and they'll probably never go back to being the same. So what are some of the things that you have found your best practices in onboarding new salespeople? I mean, best practices are we standardize some of our intros to chemistries. So during COVID, we were kind of not really organized with our presentations. There was some here, there was some there. We took all of them. The tech team had some time to sit in the lab and think, and they pulled all those presentations together and made one standard intro to these technologies. So that really helped with just consistency, really making sure that each person was getting the same presentation, the same training, and then a lot more virtual discussions. We would do a lot of shadowing of jobs in the past, and now it's doing what we're doing now as a video conference. And so I, I think we may lose a little bit of that knowledge transfer, but it's, uh, you know, we did what we could do um, in that regard. Ah. But yeah, really just pulling all the resources together for us 
made a big difference. Yeah, you know, when you have these salespeople, whether they're experienced or they're new, and you have a master slide deck, and a lot of times I'm like, let's vomit everything that anybody may ever want, and then break it into sections, and you go in and you hide things that you don't need. It helps them become yeah. more confident because it's like, okay, I know I'm always going to have these three or four intro slides. I know I'm always going to have this. I know I'm always going to have that. And then for this application, yep. I'll include this. For that application, I include that. And so really, I found that when you do things like that, standardize it from the top down, it helps the salespeople really ramp up faster. Yeah, and we spread it out actually a little bit more. It was They would come in for one day, they would get the presentation, then they'd go out in the field. So without the ability to go into the field, we would spend more time on specific subjects, maybe going from a one day, let's drink from a fire hose to, okay, let's do a little bit today, a little bit the next day, and let's test for knowledge on Thursday. So we spread it out a little bit more, allow them to digest a little bit more information, and that's helped as well. Ah, uh, yes, this is how adult learners think. I am anti <laughs> the full day boot camp sales training for a week, like, People don't absorb information like that, right? If you think about how you learn best, how do you learn best? Go to a one hour webinar, listen to a 30 minute podcast, and then I can implement one or two things from 30 minutes. So after eight hours, people lose so much, especially when they're new to a company, they're new to the technology. Maybe they yeah. know the industry, maybe they know how to sell, but it's still new. And so giving them time and then the knowledge check. That's the key yeah. that so many people forget. It's like we teach yeah. them, but we don't know if they've actually learned. And when you do that little knowledge check, it helps you say, is our training effective or not? Are we doing, maybe we need to yeah. tweak a little bit because they didn't get it. Yeah, a lot of the feedback from the people who were being trained with that one day session was just like, whoa, it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, bite sizes. Bite size pieces. So you started as yeah. an inside salesperson and then you made, you moved through the company for the past 14 years. And especially in these days of what people are calling the great resignation, it's very unheard of to stay at one company for that long. Tell me what has led you to stay? Because I know you said phone sure. sales was boring in six months. So you've been here for 14 years. Yeah, it's kind of a unique company. We've grown so much over the years. So for me, starting in inside sales, there's always been opportunities to navigate within the company as it grows. So I wasn't inside sales. I went to outside sales. I actually moved to California. So, I mean, it's almost like you're starting a new job. So the fact that I've been here for 14 years, I haven't done things for very long because I've always moved on to the next opportunity. So that's really, for me, I think it's important for companies to have that ability to grow and leverage your skills and knowledge as you progress in your career. For me, that's what's really helped just stay here because there's always new challenges. And so I've just been able to address different areas of the business as I've grown. And um, it's been fun because when I started, we were probably a $15 million company. And now we're pushing 200 million with the goals to get to the 450 million. So working for the same company, yes, but not really. We're not the same company that I was when I came on board at 17 million. There's a lot more people, there's a lot more products, there's a lot more opportunities to sell value. We've continued to build and round out that value proposition, which is really helpful. So we're addressing different customer bases. We're going after larger customers, different markets, different segments. So yes, it's the same company, like I said, but it's not the same company. Mm. So what has the company done in terms of the culture to really support your growth, to be able to say, I'm going to move here and I can move up and, you know, to really retain you as an employee? 
they've always invested in different aspects of building the value proposition. They've always invested in people, so looking to get players on the team. And for me, it's always been a work hard, play hard environment. <laughs> so we'll we'll crush it during the day from eight to five, and then we'll go grab dinner and drinks and talk about our wins, our losses, and lick our wounds and, and get ready to battle the next day. I think just having people who want to win, being a competitive person, being an athlete growing up, that's always been something that's kept me around is just that desire to win. Mm, investing in people. Companies are so not doing that these days. Give me some of the... Yeah, and, and, and I'll tell you, jumping backwards, you know, we used to try that, uh, the right out of college, you know, give it a shot, try to develop them. And we've kind of changed our hiring strategy a little bit to say, hey, you know, let's look for those people that are maybe developed a little bit further, still looking at the college people to develop and bring them up. But we've diversified that strategy a little bit with hiring and saying, hey, let's go get some eight players, bring them in, and then also bring in some, you know, younger people and kind of have the two all together. It's the mix, right? You can't have a, a team yeah. that is all the same, right? If you look at a box of crayons, yeah. what makes it amazing is you have all kind of different colors, different shades, different experiences, different backgrounds, and that's really what helps make a team strong because a yeah. fresh college graduate has these cool, exciting, so much energy outside of the box thoughts that the person who's been in the industry for 10 years may not have. And so really when they work together, that's really what strengthens the team and allows them to take steps up. Absolutely. Yep. So you mentioned investing in people. So you guys are really focused on your incoming strategy. So your hiring practice, but in order to retain people, this is where a lot of companies are not doing good. They can hire them, but after a year at the typical life cycle of a salesperson is like 18 months. So after 18 months, they wash out and they're gone somewhere. So how are you investing in the people once they get into the company? That's a great question. And, and honestly, we've just begun doing a better job of that. We hired our uh, HR director, Michelle Shane. She came in two years ago. I would say before that, no offense to anyone, but we had like a quasi HR department and they weren't really focused on the people. So some of the things that we've done is when we hire people, uh, it's small things, right? We'll do a welcome pizza party. We'll do uh, balloons delivered to their door saying, hey, welcome to the Applied Family. So it's the little things that you make an impression as you get started with bringing people on board that, that bring them into the family. And then as we continue to ingrain that person in the applied way, having them join the grill outs, we've got a grill out coming on the 17th of this month for the Minnetonka office where all the managers are going to be grilling for the team, feeding them, looking back on the year. So it's things like that that we've started to do more frequently that I think are bringing people in closer to the core and I think there's also additional things we've offered, such as the education credits that we didn't always do. So we've got the opportunity for employees in good standing to apply for courses and use a portion of money towards those courses that is sponsored by the company applied. Wow. What I really like that you said, and I think this is probably the reason that you guys are able to retain people for such a long time is nothing that you said was related to them being a good employee in their job. You're not like, yeah, we make sure that we give them a 10 week boot camp on everything within the products. <laughs> we're doing this or it's like, we're recognizing them as humans. And I think a lot of times yeah. what companies are not doing is they don't realize your employees are human beings, right? And as a human being, yeah, yeah I come to work, I have to work because I have to pay bills. 
but I also want to be valued, right? And whether you're yeah. a millennial or a Gen Zer, because they're starting to come into the workforce, or you're a baby boomer and you might be on the way out, everybody speaks the language of appreciation. Maybe for each person, it's yeah. a little different, but everybody wants to feel appreciated and valued as a person. Yeah, absolutely. And I will say we we had that small company feel when I first started, and I'm glad to say we haven't lost it during this growth. You know, they've really always looked inward and said, hey, we can't lose that feel, that family type of environment. And we haven't so far. I mean, cross your fingers and we keep doing what we're doing. It'll work. But yeah, it's it's stayed and people, the tenure speaks for itself with a lot of the people that are here. Mm. So tell us about a challenge that you've encountered in the past two years and the steps that you've taken to overcome it or what you're doing to overcome it. Yeah, I can talk about a little bit about our equipment program that we are currently getting ready to get up and running. We're kind of in the, the ramp up phase. So we historically have been glue and glue only. Okay. So we're going into a facility. I think we chatted about this a couple of weeks ago, but when I competed in California, I was going into a facility that had a supplier that was doing the parts, the service, the equipment, and the adhesive. So this is not just a, a personal challenge. This is like a business challenge. Like, you know, our company was not on the same footing as other companies offering similar services. So I think we've begun to recognize that over the years and to be able to not only invest and acquire companies that have that service parts and equipment, but build it and really round out the whole package together. So it makes sense if you're buying your adhesive, the parts, the service, there's a whole package that goes around the customer and really just trying to build that moat around our customers from our, our competitors throw a few alligators in that moat and see if we can keep our competitors away. So as far as like the business challenge, I think we've done a really good job of trying to, to address and build that value proposition in that regard. Mm. So I think we're on the precipice of really launching that in the 2022. And so I was recently speaking to a group and I have this thing and I am so adamant about it. I call there's riches in the niches, right? And so when a lot of people push back on it and I tell them you have to niche down because you have to be the best in that area that you can. However, when you reach a ceiling, because we all will reach a ceiling, you have to realize how do I take one step up? Right? So it's not that you said yeah. we're going to make the adhesive, we're going to bake all of the equipment, we're going to do everything, like we're going to service your whole plant. We're going to also offer the packages, right? You're not doing all that. You literally just took one step up. And I think that in a business, when you're thinking about how do I grow, you grew through some acquisitions. You took that, you're incorporating it into the business because you saw what your customers were asking for. And that is how you guys oh, are yeah. going to double that revenue in probably less than three years by adding this new product line. Yeah, that's definitely the goal. And you made a good comment, niches and the riches. I like that a lot because right now we're focusing on some very specific segments with some very specific products. And we haven't really done that historically. So yeah, we're really dialing in, you know, using the, the microscope and getting close to it and saying, hey, where do we really win with some of these product lines and what in these markets? And that I think is going to change for us from being a broad brush stroke historically to really focusing in on some of those niches. Mm, yeah, I agree with you because, you know, when you go again, it's like we're going to focus really hard right here. We'll do it for a quarter. We'll do it for a year. We'll do it for two years. And if we're not seeing traction, then we can move out. But when you double down because everybody wants to be they want to be the king, the queen. They want to be like I always talk about Apple. They're like one of my favorite examples, right? Because Apple is not for everyone. Oh, do you have iPhone too? 
<laughs> oh, I thought you were picking up your iPhone. <laughs> right? And the thing is, Apple is not for everyone. You know, anytime I saw a poll the other day and it right. says, are you an Android person or Apple person? And it was like 2X Android versus Apple. But Apple knows who their consumer is. They know the people who will buy them. And for as long as the company really started transforming and they were the first to launch the iPhone, the touchscreen, they've held true to that, right? And when you know who that buyer persona is, when you know who that customer is and you double down on them, that is how you grow. You don't grow by going wide because when you speak yep. to everyone you speak to, no one. I have these Wesleyanisms <laughs> and that's another one of them. Yep. You speak to everyone, you speak to no one. I agree. So as we wrap up, I'm curious, you've given us so many successes that you've already had within your career. What is something that you are really excited about accomplishing? Yeah, I think this goes back to my uh, my former uh, mentor boss, Peter Petrullo, who I think early on in my career as a sales manager was, uh, I wanted to go in and win it and then turn it over to the TM or the salesperson and just kind of take over the call and because I felt like I knew best, right? So he would often say to me, you can't go in and sell for everybody, okay? It's the classic teach a man to fish, right? So for me, it took a while to learn that. And I did make a hire, it's probably about six years ago now in Michigan. It was one of my very first hires as a manager and brought him on board and kind of took him under my wing, mentored him. And for the last two years, he's been the top salesperson. So for me, being able to recognize that that is how me and the company succeeds is really through others versus being the hero is really kind of where I feel very proud of, of that ability to do that. So just being able to continually develop people, get them higher in their career, put them along their career path and be successful. I think, you know, that is an example. It makes me proud of what I've done. Mm, that's good. Really realizing that you grow more through your actual people by helping them grow than doing it yourself. And um, you just can't, you can't go and win. With, you're, you're one person. You just can't do it. You really need to, you know, if you want to grow exponentially, you got to raise the level for all. And one thing that I often hear from um, sales leaders that have kind of made that transition is they have so much more time <laughs> now, <laughs> right? It's like, because you're not doing everything. <laughs> so true. Yeah. Yeah. You get out of the details. You know, and, it, and that can really bog you down. It really can. So staying focused, high level, you know, bringing them along and raising their level of skill, it gives you a lot of time back too. It does. I say you get out of the weeds. When you get out of the weeds, the grass will actually start growing. Exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Nay. This has been an amazing time chatting with you. If our guests want to reach out to you, what is the one best way that they can contact you? Yeah, best way would be just to reach out to my email, nseberson at appliedproducts.com. I've got my phone next to me at all times. Reach out through email. It's S-E-V-E-R-S-O-N, appliedproducts.com. So that would be the best way. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your time, your talent, and your energy with us today. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Awesome. And that was another episode of The Science of Selling STEM. Remember, in everything that you do, transform your sales. Until next time. Thank you for joining us today on the Snack-Sized Sales Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe and leave us a review. 
Learn how to continue increasing your bottom line by getting simplified sales strategies delivered to your inbox weekly by going to www.snacksizedsales.com. Trust me, your bank account will grow and love you.